Hello and welcome to The Deeper Podcast, a podcast that's all about living lives that unleash courageous love in the smallest and the big ways. And today on the podcast, well, we're going to talk about Bruno. Well, actually, we're going to talk about Encanto and the ways that the family Madrigal is a perfect example of the journey that it takes for us to honor one another. Now, if you're a parent of a young child, you probably, for the past, well, month or so, have been listening to the same songs on repeat. In our household, it kind of alternates from We Don't Talk About Bruno to The, the Pressure Song. And then we kind of go back and forth, back and forth, depending on uh, both our kid and our um, predilections. If what I'm saying makes no sense to you whatsoever, I think you're actually missing out. There's some trends in the kids' world that it's a blessing to not be a part of, but Encanto is actually one that most of us would really appreciate. So Encanto is as a musical, an animated movie that Disney has put out. You can stream it on Disney+. Plus. The lyrics were written in part by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's well-known for Hamilton, amongst others. And it's a story about a, a Colombian family who experiences a trauma. And that trauma, really, the whole family organizes themselves around it. And through the story, you see how each of the, the family members plays a different role in working through the trauma in both healthy ways, but also unhealthy ways. The ways that secrets are kept, people are outcast, gifts that people have are, are diminished because they're uncomfortable. I actually think that we should offer some sort of family counseling in which we have people watch Encanto and then we get together and unpack it because I think it's a really useful like third thing to help us see our relationships. And because we're in this series, Reassembly Required, which is all about how we rebuild relationships, today on the podcast, Reverend Christopher Watkins-Lamb is going to be sharing a message about resilience and, and resistance and how our tendencies around resistance can help us find resilience. Christopher begins his message with a question. How do you feel about New Year's resolutions? After posing this question, Christopher asks us to consider our response using one of four options. Now, of course, anytime there's only four options, we know it's not capturing the breadth and the depth of our human experience. But in using four options and limiting ourselves to them, Christopher invites us to take a look within ourselves, to see through the force choice, to see tendencies that sometimes are nuanced that can be easily ignored. So I'm going to share the four responses that Christopher shared. And I'm going to ask you to think about which response fits best for you. So how do you feel about New Year's resolutions? Option A, I don't make New Year's resolutions anymore because I never manage to keep them. I can never make time for myself. It just, it just doesn't work. So that's option A. Option B, you know, January 1st, it's just an arbitrary date. It's really not efficient to wait to do something that I could just start now. So I just do it. Option C, I'm actually pretty good at keeping New Year's resolutions even the ones that no one knows about, the ones I keep to myself. Finally, option D, I'd rather do what I want when I feel like it. I hate to kind of bind myself in any way, even to a silly New Year's resolutions. So take a moment. A, 
I don't make them because I never manage to keep them. B. January 1st is an arbitrary date. If I want to do something, I'll start now. C. I'm actually good at keeping them. D. I don't want to be tied down. I'll do what I want when I feel like it. Now that you have your answer, I'm going to throw it back to Christopher. Well, what if I told you that understanding your answer to this question will help you live a more fulfilled, connected life? And further, that understanding others' answers to this question will allow you to improve your relationships with everyone around you. I believe Gretchen Rubin's framework, The Four Tendencies, can help us all do just that. Now, answering one question that I gave you is not a perfect determination of your tendency. So as you learn about them today, you can reflect on which one you might fit in. Your tendency is not a personality type. It simply describes the way we respond to inner expectations and outer expectations. So when you encounter outer or inner expectations, do you tend to meet them with little effort or do you tend to resist them? There's no good or bad, no right or wrong. No one tendency is better than the other. But let's examine your answer. It's most likely that if you answered A, you are an obliger, B, a questioner, C, an upholder, or D, a rebel. So what does all this mean and how does it help bring healing to our relationship to ourselves and our relationship to each other? Tendencies help us better honor ourselves and others. This honoring can bring so much more joy into our lives. Resisting expectations can cause problems, but meeting expectations can cause problems too. It's when we find a way to honor our tendency and thus ourselves, that joy can emerge. And to help us understand what the tendencies are and how they might bring joy and honoring, let's turn to one of my favorite new musicals, the Disney film Encanto. Mirabel Madrigal and her magical family star in this story set in Colombia. And while there is much love in the family, there are also a lot of expectations. So let's take a look here. Oh, here we are. Here's the Madrigal family tree. Now for the sake of our time today, we're just gonna focus on the right side of this tree. At the head of the family is Mirabel's abuela or grandmother. She is the matriarch and I would describe her tendency as upholder. Upholders have little trouble and in fact enjoy meeting expectations they set for themselves and those the world asks of them. They tend to be rule followers and they can get locked into routines. Upholders can be highly disciplined and successful, but they can also lack empathy for others who struggle to meet the same standards they easily master. Now going down to the bottom of this tree, on that right side, Mirabel's sisters, Luisa and Isabel, they're in the kind of purpley dress and the, and the navy blue skirt. Now they are, they act out in the manner of, of obligers. And obligers is actually the most common tendency. And while they readily meet outer expectations, obligers naturally resist inner expectations. 
they often find it hard to make time for themselves or to do something they want to do without outer accountability. Now, when other people are asking or expecting something, obligers rise to the challenge. And as we learn, these two sisters are actually quite unhappy with the roles in the family that they are expected to play. They try their best to fulfill what their abuela expects and bury their true desires. Now, Mirabel Madrigal, that third sister on the end, has the questioner tendency. Questioners resist outer expectations following solely inner ones. They will not do something just because it's the rule. The questioners need to know why. I suspect the percentage of questioners in Unitarian Universalism is higher than the general population. Now, once questioners have the information and the justifications they need to meet an expectation, they make it an inner expectation and they meet it. Whether it's a law about the speed limit or an interest in a meditation practice, questioners will resist until they are convinced. So Mirabel notices that everything is not well within the family Madrigal. <clears throat> of course, it started when, as a younger child, she did not receive her magical gift like every other family member had done. As she gets older, she begins to do what no one else has done, ask questions, even to question whether her abuela Alma is leading the family fairly. And she asks about Bruno, her uncle who disappeared and is now not spoken of in the family. Perhaps you've heard the song. It's Mirabelle's questioning that sets her sisters on a path of self-discovery and realization. Now, I know we don't talk about him, but I just have to mention Bruno. He's an example of the rebel. Rebels resist both outer and inner expectations. If someone makes a request of a rebel, their natural inclination is to refuse. Even if a rebel wants to do something, as soon as it becomes an expectation of someone else, they won't do it. Bruno loves his family, and he knows that sharing his visions of the future is making people uncomfortable and even afraid. He wants to serve his family well, but he absolutely must be authentic. When he realizes that his latest future vision will cause his family great pain, he decides to dis disappear. He just disappears. And that way he has freed himself from all expectations. Now the magical house that the family Madrigal has lived in for generations is cracking. And Mirabel is the first to notice. And for a moment, it seems as if her effort to seek the truth will actually bring healing and prevent the house from falling apart. But alas, Abuela Alma is set in her ways and resists the change. She sees Mirabel as the cause of the discord rather than as an agent of healing. And so, in the midst of a heated argument, the entire house collapses. And this is a perfect example of what Gretchen Rubin calls obliger rebellion. This is an aspect of the obliger tendency that serves as a release valve or a panic button when constant effort to please others has gone too far. If you recognize yourself or another obliger in your life, you think back, has there ever been a moment when this generally easygoing or happy to please and reliable person has suddenly exploded with a big, loud no 
I am an obliger. I have to say, when I first read about this, I recognized myself. This is both uncomfortable and validating. Obliger rebellion is sometimes necessary for obligers, but it is worth noting that it is not inevitable. When we learn to work with our tendency and manage the expectations around us, we can address resentments before they build up. For obligers, this does not come naturally and takes a lot of effort and practice. Though perhaps things do just need to fall apart sometimes. And that's where we are with the family Madrigal. Their house has collapsed. And with it, the miracle that sustained the family through the generations and given each new member a magical gift has waned. The magic is gone. Now, the tendencies that the family members express might play a role in how and when things fall apart, but they are not the cause. There are no combinations of tendencies that make a sustained healthy relationship impossible. Ultimately, what this film expresses so beautifully is how intergenerational trauma can manifest and be healed. Abuela Alma, having had to flee her home from violence with triplet infants in her arms, witnessed the death of her loving husband as he protected her and the babies. It was her heartbreak and grief that brought the miracle into existence. And it was her persistent fear of losing everything a second time that caused her to be so controlling and demanding of her family. In the words of somatics teacher and therapist Resma Menachem, over months or years, unhealed trauma can become part of someone's personality. As it is passed on and compounded through other bodies, it often becomes the family norm. If it gets transmitted and compounded through multiple families and generations, it can turn into culture, end quote. The danger and power of unhealed trauma can hardly be overstated. And yet, Abuela Alma has been able to avoid passing on much of her trauma. Her family is full of love and resilience. Now, Resma Menachem has this to say about the subject, quote, resilience is built into the cells of our bodies. Like trauma, resilience can ripple outward, changing the lives of people, families, neighborhoods, and communities in positive ways. Also like trauma, resilience can be passed down from generation to generation, end quote. Now, Abuela Alma has built a culture of service to their community. All the family members are expected to use their gifts to help the village. In this way, ensuring that the miracle keeps their magic alive, that it continues to live on in successive generations. Now, the Madrigal's house cracks and crumbles. The miracle is gone, but the bonds that tie them to their community and indeed to each other are not broken. And sometimes it's in these moments of crisis, of conflict and resistance, that we discover the path we have desired all along. A way of being in which we can rejoice in one another just as we are. 
The truth is that sometimes upholders can hold on too tight. Obligers can lose sight of themselves, seeking only to please others. The questioners can exhaust themselves and others with their insatiable need for more information. And rebels can fail to show up for what matters most to them, getting trapped in resistance by their own need for freedom. And yet, we all have gifts that we can bring to each other. Friends, we need each other in this life. The better we understand ourselves, the more we are able to honor the ways that others are, as Rubin says, both more like us than we think and less like us than we think. So this is when something incredible happens. Abuela, Alma, and Mirabel are able to see the gifts and accept the flaws in one another. As they gather around their house, the ruins of their house, with the rest of their family, a new hope is born. This time, not from the constraints of perfectionism, but from the freedom of honoring one another. As they begin to look around and consider the new foundation they must build, this family hears voices in the distance. The entire village is coming to help them build a house. This time, not a house of magic, but one of the sweat of the entire community that this family has served and helped to prosper. The Madrigal's house is gone, but the bonds that tie them to their community and indeed to each other are not broken. For perhaps the first time, the family Madrigal are the ones in need, and the rest of the village can be of service. Abuela Alma is able to freely admit that she's not perfect, her family's not perfect, they need help too. In this vulnerability, this being seen, the village has a chance to honor them. The family Madrigal now has a chance to honor one another. And this honoring makes way for a kind of harmonizing of the family. Oresma Menachem writes that healing with other human beings requires us to respect, regard, and be in harmony with other bodies. When over time, enough bodies heal from historical, intergenerational, and personal trauma and learn to harmonize, that harmony can turn into a culture of resilience and flow. End quote. Wow. I, I think about the sixth principle of Unitarian Universalism, which says, the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. And I've always loved it, but now I feel it needs to be amended. How about the goal of a culture of resilience and flow in which bodies are healing and metabolizing trauma, finding a sense of trust and grounding from the inside, and in turn are able to trust and allow one another to be. Each of us, our own flawed and gifted selves. In the family Madrigal's old house, the magical casita that crumbled, each of the family members had their own magic door to their own magic room. Everyone except Mirabel, that is, who had not received 
a gift. So outside their newly completed house, not magical, but built with love, they stand expectantly, ready to add the final touch. Mirabelle is given a doorknob to place on the front door. Now, as she walks between her family members who sing words of honoring to her, she's invited to fully see and appreciate herself. She remembers the last time she approached a door in a ceremony. That time it was supposed to confer her a magical gift and she was left crestfallen and without magic. But this time she approaches the door of their new home and puts the doorknob in place. And then something quite unexpected happens. I think it fits Resma's description of harmonizing bodies into a culture of resilience remarkably well. As the doorknob clicks into place, the magic returns, sweeping not only over the house, but the whole village. And in place of individual magical doors, there is one magical family door that leaves no one out. Here they are, together in their similarities, differences, and love for one another. Now, the film ends in celebration with the whole village invited to take part. And this, my friends, is what we are moving towards. Not a happily ever after, but moments of seeing and celebrating that are born of coming through hard things. These moments are born of learning truths about ourselves and others. These moments are born of being vulnerable and willing to change. Now, understanding the four tendencies is one tool to help you better honor yourself and others. And this honoring makes way for healing and harmonizing bodies. And perhaps a culture of resilience and flow is waiting for us on the other side. Amen. And blessed be. There's so much opportunity for growth for each of us to figure out how we encounter other people wholly. Whole as in the sense of being able to receive another person in, in a whole way, but also holy and kind of that reverence to understand that we each have these different tendencies. And it's in that harmonizing that Christopher talks about that we find that that culture, that body of resilience so that that knob can be put into place to unlock the magic of home. I just, I just love that image so much. And it really challenges me to think about how in my relationships with my family and those close to me that, that I can notice where these tendencies are operating from and we can have different types of conversations and make different decisions. I so appreciate you listening to this episode. Next week, we continue our reassembly required series. We're going to talk about how to fight. Yeah, how to have a good fight, how to fight fair in conflict. Conflict is important in our relationships. And so what matters most is how we navigate that conflict. So that's what we're going to be diving into next week. As always, I, I hope that you rate, review, and share this podcast with someone that you think, yes, they should hear this message, some Encanto fans or beyond. But either way, uh, thanks so much for listening. <laughs>